The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? How am I now? Well, I'm glad I asked. Because the Montreal Canadiens, for the first time since the 2021 playoffs, have won back-to-back games. First time since the series against Vegas that they have gone back-to-back with wins. Doing so in a shootout. Well, overtime, the first one. This one in a shootout against the New York Islanders by a score of 3-2. to two. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and 50, 50 episodes, 50, that's how many years it feels like I've aged while watching the Montreal Canadiens this season. How many years it feels like I've aged since the last time they won back-to-back games, but they did it. How did they do it? <clears throat> well, this was quite the entertaining game, honestly. Um, I, I know I've said this a couple of times, but now I, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that this is the most entertaining game uh, that they've put together so far this season. Decent start in the first period. They're, they're in the game, right? You, you've seen it in a lot of games where they, they tend to fall very far behind on the shot count, and when that happens, you're, you're like, oh, uh-oh. That didn't happen in this game. Uh, they, they were staying in it throughout the course of the first period, and they would actually strike first. Near the midway point of the period, Michael Pizzetta kind of falls down in front of the net. Looks like he gets a piece of it. Uh, gets a piece of the Jeff Petrie shot and gets it into the net. Originally was credited to Michael Pizzetta, but then they reviewed it and recredited it back to uh, Jeff Petrie. So Jeff Petrie gets his, what, third goal of the season? Um, looking much, much better since Martin Saint-Louis took over as coach. one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. That's how the first period would end, but of course, the New York Islanders started the second period with a 5-on-3 power play, and the Habs were able to kill off the first one, but during the second one, uh, they did give a goal back. Kyle Palmieri gets a rebound to the right of Andrew Hammond. Andrew Hammond playing his first NHL game in like 1,400 days or something. Um, Looking pretty good before that, but now it is 1-1. We're all tied up. And it was a pretty back-and-forth period from that point on. Um, a lot of chances both sides. Hammond playing really well in net, but also Ilya Sorokin on the other end um, looking pretty good. And late-period goals have been the backbreaker of the Montreal Canadiens for some time, right? Not today. Not today. They actually get a late-period goal of their own with just over a minute to go. Josh Anderson down on the goal line, and literally with a foot touching the goal line. He has a horrible angle, and he just kind of looks at Sorokin and goes, yeah, I got this. Goes roof with an absolute laser of a shot uh, over the shoulder, under the bar. 2-1 to one for the Montreal Canadiens, and we are cooking. That is how the second period would end. 
and looking like a legitimate opportunity to maybe win a game here for the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, third period, uh, again, pretty back and forth, pretty good saves on both ends, and eventually an unfortunate line change by the Montreal Canadiens allows Brock Nelson to get in alone, and he, well, he wasn't completely alone, he was a little bit covered, but he did beat uh, Andrew Hammond down low, makes it 2-2, two to two. And of course, we're going into overtime. And let me tell you, folks, that was one of the more entertaining three-on-three overtimes I have seen in a long time. In a long time. It was back and forth. The Habs, I would argue, had the better chances. Um, Sorokin, again, made quite a few good saves. Uh, Andrew Hammond had to make a few as well. But that was entertaining. God damn, that was fun to watch. But it solves nothing, and we're headed to a shootout. And man, uh, you know, I, I always rag on the shootout a little bit. It's a skills competition. I don't feel like it's necessarily the best way to end games. But this one went well for my team, so I'm going to go ahead and say that I love it. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier shoots first. He scores an absolutely beautiful goal on Andrew Hammond. Uh, but then Cole Caulfield shoots next for the Montreal Canadiens, and he slows it down. Just waits until Sorokin like twitches a little bit like he's going to go for the poke check and throws it five-hole. And then Rem Pitlick scores a beautiful goal of his own at super high speed coming in there. And then Andrew Hammond makes one save, and bam, back-to-back wins for the Montreal Canadiens. They win in a shootout. I mean, what a game. An incredibly entertaining game. I've been saying constantly that the one thing I want from the remainder of this season is, you know, some development from the young players and some entertainment. And we definitely, definitely got entertainment in that one. Before I get to player of the game, uh, which I will, I want to talk about what stuck out the most for me in that game. And it wasn't the regulation play. It, it wasn't the fact that, you know, they stayed and they go up. Actually, they were leading for most of the game. It was the overtime play. This is two games in a row. They won a game in overtime. And then now going through a full overtime period without getting scored on and also without scoring. But they looked very good at three on three. Does everybody remember last year, right? When the only time, like, what did they lose? I think 10 straight in overtime or something like that before they finally won. And even when they did win, they were doing that passive thing where they would, like, kind of look like they were about to carry it into the zone, but they would just turn around and go back into the neutral zone, basically playing rope-a-dope and trying not to really do anything, trying to tire out the, the, the top players in the other team so that they could get somebody else on and then maybe go for an attack. And there'd be, like, three shots in the entire overtime and of course the first one for the other team would go in and the Habs would lose does everybody remember that last year I mean we haven't seen them in three on three very much this year but it felt like they were horrible under Claude Julien they got even worse under Dominique Cham but now we've seen two games with Martin Saint-Louis and they legitimately look like they know how to do this they're good at it I mean I think it has a lot to do with uh, St. Louis not wanting to put it, people into rigid systems and kind of letting them make their reads. And that makes a lot of sense because if you played hockey growing up, you know, when you get into three-on-three situations, you can't really follow a system, right? Like if you run typically a one-two-two, it's not like you can run a one-two-two when there's only three players on the ice, right? So I, I don't think that having a rigid system helps anybody in three-on-three. Three. I think they have to be a little bit more free-flowing. I think you have to just go out there and have fun, right? Try to get the puck and then try to do something with the puck. Get creative. They're doing that, and they're getting a lot of chances. And, uh, you know, they, they again, they legitimately look 
like they can compete with most teams in the league at three on three. Obviously, they are going to have some significant problems for the next little while getting to that three on three uh, because the five on five play still has uh, some work, right? And the roster still has some work that needs to be done. Um, but it's hugely encouraging to me to see them actually looking competitive uh, in that setting and um, and not looking you know as passive and as scared as they did last year when they were playing. And keep in mind, last year's team was way better on paper than the one that we're seeing right now. They've already traded away Tyler Toffoli. More bodies are going to leave as well. They're still they still don't even have some guys back that were injured since the start of the year, right? They don't have Carey Price. They don't have Joel Edmondson. I mean. <laughs> What what more could you possibly ask from this team than to look the way that they have in those last two games at three on three? They've looked fantastic. That's huge. Um, and if they can carry that through the rest of this season and into next year, you know, maybe I I keep saying this, but I think this rebuild could be quicker than some of us think. It might not be five years, right? I don't expect them to be contenders next year, but it, it might not be five years before this team is legitimately competitive again. And maybe looking to do some damage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, player of the game. Um, this one was tough. You know, I wanted to... I definitely shout out to Andrew Hammond. Uh, he made a lot of really good saves. Um, he was equal to the task uh, that Ilya Sorokin was putting up at the other end. Um, he definitely... He helped them get to that overtime period. It, it, it may have gone the other way. It may have ended in favor of the... Uh, New York Islanders before we even got to that period he made quite a few impressive saves and to be his first NHL game in like the 1,400 days or something like that I mean pretty wild Um, but I got to give it to Josh Anderson I think he was one of the best players on the ice and realistically you could give player of the game here to that entire top line Nick Suzuki Cole Caulfield and Josh Anderson Um, they, they look great together I was concerned about that trio because I didn't like the idea of taking Cole Caulfield away from Ryan Paling after they had showed chemistry together but so far that line is working right you would think that maybe you want another setup man for Cole Caulfield on the other wing uh, which Anderson really isn't he's not a very accomplished passer but right now you, you can't argue with success and that line's having success so you know again something else that I've been saying repeatedly this season is if you have something that's working let's not break it up Part of the problem under Dominique Schaum is that he would get something that, like, something would get going, and then he would immediately break it up and try to spread that out onto different lines. We have not seen that from Martin Saint Louis. The only thing that he did was he promoted Cole Caulfield, took him away from Ryan Paling, which again I didn't love, but now it's working and now he's sticking with it. Uh, and not only that, he's given them big minutes as well. So, um, again, player of the game, Josh Anderson, but if you really want, we could spread that out and give it to that whole top line because they were fantastic. Um, I'm going to cut it off pretty much right there because we got another episode tomorrow. And uh, in case you haven't noticed, I'm trying to talk very quietly right now because my son is sleeping uh, in the room next to me and he refuses to let me close the door. So you can probably hear everything I'm saying right now. Um, That being said, we will be back with another episode after tomorrow's game. And tomorrow they are going to be playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we're really going to see what they're made of in that one because the Leafs are looking pretty good this year. Uh, you talk about, you know, a tale of two teams going in two completely different directions since one of them beat the other one out of the playoffs last year. Um, I'll be very interested to see how this team looks against them because uh, that's going to be a big task. Uh, they're pretty healthy and they're also looking pretty strong. So um, should be interesting, right? It could be a bloodbath. I don't think anybody would, uh, you know, 
begrudge them a bloodbath here against the Leafs, but you know, I got some faith in in, in Marty St. Louis there. I mean, I, I really think he's got this team going in the right direction, and we, we might see another entertaining game tomorrow night. Who knows? So stay tuned until then. We're running what? Um, actually, we're, we're running about 12 minutes on this episode, so grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening, and of course... À la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.